So you guys make fun of my lack of affection a lot. Um, sometimes people just come on in for a hug, and I try to dodge that in like any way that I can. And, and actually, when the hug does come in, I do that awkward Christian side hug. Have you guys ever gotten one of those from me? Yeah, right? Um, I remember the first time that I ever hugged Katie Rivera. It was at something formal, and we both afterwards went, that was so weird. Like, we both were so weirded out after that, because I don't give hugs. I don't like showing affection to anyone. I think Lacey just recently told me that I've hugged her, like, once, the Christian awkward side hug, like, in my entire life. So don't be offended at me if I haven't hugged you or showed you much affection. That's just not what I do. You know what also makes me feel really uncomfortable? is when two people are showing each other a lot of affection, right? I just become like an awkward potato. I don't even know, like, I don't know how else to describe it, but it makes me feel so weird when there's like that couple and I'm just like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. This makes me feel so weird. So I definitely don't like showing affection. Some of you guys can probably relate too. But what I want to talk to you guys about tonight is in your relationship with God, Have you been showing him a lot of affection? Do you feel close to God lately? And maybe you don't hate God tonight. Maybe you're not angry with him. But it doesn't seem like it used to. Things just seem off lately in your relationship with God. Maybe at one time there was a real fire in your heart. Or maybe at one time you felt really close to him. But it just seems like life has happened and you just feel really far away tonight. You feel like there's no real drive in you to pursue him anymore. There's no drive in you to show him affection, maybe in worship or in prayer, or when you're just talking to other people. You kind of lost that love and affection that maybe you once had. And I think that's something that we all go through during a season in our life, something we all feel at different times. And I kind of want to help us and talk about how we get through seasons like that. And here's what scares me about seasons like this, when we feel less affection towards God. Because our feelings often lie to us, guys. And I tell you guys that all the time. Feelings aren't truth. But when we feel that lack of affection and we feel far away from God, we have a tendency to play church. You and I, we're really good at going through the motions. We're really good at looking like we have it all together on the outside. But inside, things are a mess. See, we're good at being good Christian boys and good Christian girls. We know exactly what to say. We know how to answer our parents. We know how to talk to the youth pastor, talk to the leaders. But inside, we're really hurting. Do you guys know that you can raise your hands and not really be worshiping? That you could be singing the songs and you're just saying words? See, it's really what's going on in the heart that matters. Everything on the outside can be good, but Jesus looks at the heart. And you can be thinking that you're fooling everyone tonight. But God knows the truth, and you know the truth on what's really going on. And maybe tonight, we can help you find that passion once again, help you feel affectionate towards God. And we're going to look at a scripture in just a little bit of someone who just pours their heart out before Jesus. And it is so moving, and I hope that it lights a fire under some of you guys tonight. But also, other things are just more important to you in this season. Maybe that's why you've lost the fire a little bit. Because everything else is more important. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your status at school, your grades, sports right now. Whatever that thing is for you that is more important than God is making you drift in your relationship. If other things are more important, guys, then it shouldn't be any surprise 
that you feel this drift in your relationship. And so often, we look to all these other things that we know aren't going to make us happy. And you've heard this a thousand times, a million times, that all these other things that don't satisfy, yet we seek them out, yet we try to let them satisfy us, but they never will. They will always leave us empty. And maybe that's one of the reasons why you guys feel cold in your relationship with God tonight. Then there's some of you in the room tonight that really just don't care, don't care at all about your relationship with God. Maybe your parents made you come here tonight, or maybe you're just playing church and deep down you're just mad at God over something. Maybe something that happened in your life that you just can't explain. And because of that, you are just so cold and you're so turned off. I want to show you why Jesus is so amazing once again. And my prayer throughout this whole week as I've been studying and writing this message is that God would light a fire in you guys again. That you would feel that passion, that you would feel that affection once again. And then here's what I know, that some of you are fighting for it tonight. And you're really upset about it because you want to be close to God. You want to know what that intimacy is like once again. But it just feels like it's so far out of reach. Like you can't grab a hold of it no matter how hard you try. Tonight, we're going to get to the bottom of that. And so we're going to start tonight in Luke chapter 7. And this is what it says in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, this is so interesting for so many reasons. The first one is that this Pharisee wasn't inviting Jesus over his house for dinner because he cared about him. He is totally indifferent towards Jesus. He did this for two reasons. Probably the first one was for status. He wanted everyone to see that he was bringing in this high-profile person into his house so that other people would talk about it, so that he would become more popular. And the other one was probably for pure entertainment. He wanted to see what it would be like to have Jesus in this setting because he had heard all the stories about Jesus, all the great things that he was doing, and so he invites Jesus to come and hang out. And Jesus just straight up sits at the table and he reclines. There's a pastor right now doing a series, and he's kind of a famous pastor called Savage Jesus. And there are moments where Jesus shows that he just wasn't like this perfect guy who, you know, just always had the polite thing. Sometimes Jesus was tough on people. And I I love this right here. I, I love it because he just reclines at the table and he sits right there because Jesus knew that something so powerful was about to happen. He knew really what was going on with the Pharisee. He knew his heart in the whole matter. And so sometimes Jesus was a little bit tough, and he's going to be a little bit tough on this Pharisee as we go throughout this story. This is what it says in verse 37. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, there is speculation through with scholars, that this was Mary Magdalene. But we don't see any definite answer on that. But what we can kind of gather from this is that this woman was probably a prostitute just because everyone knew of her reputation of being a sinner. So she was a really sinful person. And maybe it sounds kind of weird that she just kind of comes down into the setting with this Pharisee and she washes his feet. But normally what would happen in this tradition, in this setting, in this day, was that the maid of that house would come in whenever there was a guest and they would wash the feet of the person that was there. 
And so that is what this woman is doing. So for us, that kind of seems weird. But for them at this time, this was a very normal thing. But this woman is still snuck into the house. And now she's beginning to wash Jesus' feet. And we see that she doesn't do it the traditional way. That she doesn't break out water. She doesn't break out a towel and start doing it. But she starts to weep. And she uses her hair to wipe his feet. And then she breaks perfume over his feet. And now it's starting to become a little bit of an unusual scene. Everyone's getting their attention put on this moment right now. And the Pharisee is getting a little angry in his heart. But Jesus is moved. Jesus sees what's really going on here. So what happened is probably this woman heard Jesus speaking at some point. She heard him in a crowd. She heard him talking about forgiveness of sins. And her heart is radically changed. She is broken over her sin, and she wants to grab a hold of this promise that Jesus is offering. And so here she is, pouring out her affection on the feet of Jesus because she is so moved by him. She is instantly, deeply in love and moved by him, and she wants to show him that her life is forever changed. Now, what's interesting about this is that she has an alabaster jar of perfume that she breaks out and she pours on his feet. This was probably cost her a good bit of money for her to go out and do something like that. And this woman probably didn't have a lot of money, but she sacrificed what was important to her for Jesus because nothing could compare to what Jesus was to her, what he could offer her, what he was giving her. And so she laid down what was most important to her, which was probably a huge amount of money for her to go and buy this alabaster jar. And she pours it all over his feet. This is what it says in verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And what's so interesting is that Jesus reads the Pharisee's thoughts in this moment. He perceives what he's thinking. And he is about to own this Pharisee right here because this is what the Pharisee would have done. The Pharisee would have said, woman, get away from my feet. You aren't worthy to do it. But Jesus does the exact opposite. Let me ask you this. Has the world ever treated you like that before? Have your friends ever treated you like that before? People that are close to you, family members maybe, because they knew of how you fell short? of the sinful things that you've done. Maybe they pushed you away. Maybe they didn't want you to be anywhere near them. I want you to know tonight that Jesus does the exact opposite. He welcomes you to come close to him, even in the middle of your mess, even in the middle of your sin, to come at his feet and find healing. And so this Pharisee thinks that he's so holy and that Jesus is just a joke for letting this woman do this. And so Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Verse 41, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Now, Jesus gives a really simple analogy because he wanted Simon to get this right because he wanted to show Simon how ridiculous he was being in this moment. Let's say that 
Jacob owes me $5, but Judah owes me $1,000 that he spent on V-Bucks. And now he's trying to get that back. If you don't know what V-Bucks is, that's good for you. Um, so he's trying to, you know, they both are, need to give me this money back. And one day I decide, you know, I, I love these guys. Neither of them have to pay me back anything. I wipe the debt completely clean. Who you think would be more happy with me? Obviously, it would be Judah because he owed me more money. His debt was so much greater than Jacob's. And you know what? Uh, Pharisee picks up on it and he goes, all right, Jesus, obviously, it's the one that owes more money. And that is the picture of what is happening right now in this moment. This Pharisee thinks that he doesn't owe much. This Pharisee thinks that he hasn't done much wrong in his life. Thinks is the key word in this statement. Because we find out that Jesus often spent more time with prostitutes and tax collectors and people who are very outwardly sinful. But these Pharisees had so many issues in their own heart. They had so much pride and jealousy. And they hid things from the surface. So they thought they had it all together. But in his mind, he thought he owed very little. And that's the exact picture of what's going on here. And so, this is what it says in verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And so he, Jesus gives the comparison of how this woman has acted and how Simon has treated him. Simon has been completely indifferent towards Jesus, but this woman has done everything for him. Let me ask you a question. How have you been treating Jesus lately? Who are you more like in this story? Are you more like the Pharisee? Or are you more like the woman? Sometimes we feel like because we're like the woman, we can't approach Jesus. We feel like because we've been so sinful this week, there's no way that we could draw into his presence. There's no way that we could sing when we come to youth group on Friday night. There's no way that we can open up our Bibles. But she does the exact opposite. And Jesus always invites us to do this. She was broken over what she had done. And Jesus is moved by it. Yet this Pharisee thought he had it all together thought he was perfect, thought he had all the answers. And so he thought he didn't really need Jesus all that much. And that's what it comes down to. So many of us in this room think we don't need Jesus all that much. Maybe for a lot of you guys, life is going really good tonight. Things are really falling into place. Everything seems blessed. And you maybe think that you don't need Jesus that much. Maybe you haven't sinned that much in your life. Maybe there isn't this huge glaring mistake. And so you think, yeah, maybe that's for those really messed up people. Not really so much for me. The Bible tells us that even the smallest of sins separates us from God. That even if you did the smallest, tiniest white lies, your only sin ever, then you would still be separated from God. That you would still be worthy of hell. And that's what the Pharisee couldn't understand. He thought he was good in himself. He was self-righteous. And that still divides you from God. And he treated someone who God loved with contempt, with anger, that she would even do this. That's so far from the heart of Jesus. 
He would never have us treat broken people like that. And so this is what it says in verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And so he says, all right, this woman, her sins are forgiven by what she has done, by the affection that she has poured out on my feet. And Jesus is revealing something so profound to us tonight, something that so many people miss, that when you think that you've been forgiven little, you love little. And maybe just my job tonight to help some of you guys get back on track, get that fire once again, is to remind you how broken you were before you first came to Jesus. To remind you of how much your life was in shambles before Jesus came in and saved you and rescued you. See, it was everything for this woman. She would have done anything for Jesus in these moments because she realized how much he had done for her. And that's what inspires passion. That's what inspires affection from us is remembering how sinful we truly are, how broken we truly are without him. When you remember that, you can't help but be moved. As I look back on my life and I think about all that Jesus has forgiven me of and all that he's called me to, I can't help but be moved with passion tonight. I can't help but sing because I remember all the good that he's done for me. And maybe tonight you're in the middle of a hard situation. Maybe it's a little bit of brokenness in your life and you understand why things are the way they are. If Jesus, the only thing that he ever did for you was get on a cross, that would be more than enough because this life is like a drop in the bucket, guys. It's here today and it's gone in a blink of an eye and we will live in eternity with him forever because of what he has accomplished on the cross. What creates passion is remembering how lost we were before he truly forgave us. And some of you have a hard time getting a hold of this because you don't truly believe that you are forgiven. You have a hard time thinking that God for, can forgive someone like you. If he could forgive this woman, this prostitute, who was known all around town for her sin, then God can forgive you too. The second that you called out to him, he already reached out his forgiving hand to you. His forgiveness is really yours. Guys, if we really believed it, I think churches would look different. So many people have a hard time believing forgiveness from themselves, but it is God's free gift to us tonight, and you are set free. Your life is changed forever because of Jesus, not because of anything that you've done, and, and that's the big part of it, is we still think it's up to us. We still think it depends on us, but it doesn't depend on you. It is all about Jesus and what he has done and what he has accomplished on the cross. We will always fall short, but he will always be perfect. We will always be sinful in some ways, but he will always be perfect. You have to know that tonight. You have to live in that. That's not about you. It's all about him and what he has done. Tim Keller said this, the reason people can know the gospel and not change their lives is because they think forgiveness is cheap. Forgiveness is anything but cheap. It costs Jesus a huge price. Such pain that he went through for you. All because he loved you. Because he wanted you to know what forgiveness was. All because he loved that woman who washed his feet. Because 
He knew how painful the choices she had made were. And she wanted her to know freedom and life. There is no love like this, guys. Nothing compares to this. I want you to think about, and maybe this is going to be painful for some of you tonight, and maybe you're going to bring up some thoughts that maybe you've tried to suppress for a really long time. Think about some of the worst things that you've ever done. When I think about some of the worst things that I've ever done, I'm filled with embarrassment sometimes. I'm filled with shame. But the truth is tonight, we don't have to be. We don't have to be because he bore that shame, because he bore that pain that we carried for so long. He took all of it. Do you guys get it tonight? And as a preacher, it's one of the hardest things to explain because it's so amazing and it's so great. I never feel like words can truly come close to it. But when you get that, that those things are no longer held against you, can't help but feel affection in your heart for Jesus tonight, that he has washed those horrible things away. The Bible says they're as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them not. Maybe you remember them, but he doesn't. And Isaiah says that he puts all of our sins behind his back, that he remembers them not anymore. I don't know what else can move you if that doesn't tonight. What an amazing, awesome God we serve. But forgiveness was anything but cheap. It cost him a huge price, but you were worth paying that price. And so we all have a reason to love a lot tonight, to have our hearts full of affection every single time that we are in a worship service, every single time when we're tempted to maybe turn on the TV late at night instead of opening up our Bible for a little bit. We all have a reason to love much. And so from this day on, I want you guys really to think about that, to let this hit your heart. Anytime you feel your affection towards God leaving, that you would remember, man, what a price he paid for me. He has changed everything in my life. He loves you guys so much tonight. In the middle of your brokenness or whatever you're going through tonight, he welcomes you to come to his feet and find forgiveness and healing in life. And so here's tonight's bottom line, what I want you guys to remember. is When you realize you have been forgiven much, you love much. When you realize you've been forgiven much, you can't help but love much. It's the natural response of your heart, and it will always be that way. My prayer is that you guys would find that affection once again. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you so much for your great love that paid a huge price for all of us, that has stood in the gap for us, God. When we were sinners, you still loved us, God. What what compares to this love, Jesus, that you would come and you would live on this earth for us, God, that you bore my shame, God, that the worst of the worst, God, are forgiven in Jesus. If they call out that your blood is strong enough, that it is enough. And so, God, I just pray tonight that we wouldn't be like the Pharisee, that we wouldn't be indifferent towards you, Lord, but we would be like the woman who fell at your feet, who surrendered her most prized possession, Lord, who laid down what was most important to her just to be near you, Lord, because nothing was more important to her. God, I pray that we would all have that attitude, God, that we would lay down things that are important to us because you are most important, Lord. I pray, Jesus, tonight for the person who just feels so far from you, Lord, that just feels like 
they could never feel affection again because of the wrong that they've done, Lord, or just for all the choices that they made lately. God, I pray that this would hit their hearts, that the power of it, God, would change them forever and they would be drastically changed. We love you, God. We love you. There's nothing that compares to this, Jesus. You're so amazing, God. Thank you that you would love broken people like us. I pray that you would meet us in this next worship time. We pray all this in your name. Amen.